This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Boston Loose Baseball, Garris Dameron on the production, Grant Paulson, Danny Ruye. We got to start with Steven Strasburg before we get into everything else going on with the Nationals. You'll hear our interview with Lane Thomas. You'll hear our conversation with Dave Jagler. But we just watched Strass' start last night against the Marlins. The line was not good. No. The performance actually, I think, was a lot better than the box score. Four and two-third innings. Eight hits and seven runs all earned. Two walks and five strikeouts, and he gave up a home run. 83 pitches didn't get out of the fifth. Now, there was a three-inning stretch there where he was at about 60 pitches through four innings, averaging about 15 per, where in the second, third, and fourth innings, he hung three zeros and he was straight up overpowering. I thought the three runs he gave up in the first were largely unlucky. First pitch of the game was a bunt single that was could have been rolled better. Yeah, you, you tip your cap. Good, good play. Yeah. Absolutely. A couple of weak contact shots that fall in, and next thing you know, you've given up three runs. There was one blasted kind of barreled ball into center field to score a couple of those runs. But I, I thought, by and large, that after that first inning, he threw the ball way better than being down 3 nothing. Then the second, third, and fourth gave me a lot of, of confidence and, and, and hope uh, before he ran out of gas and really got hit around in the fifth for four runs. There's a lot to dive into. The velocity was certainly not what we were hoping for, uh, but the changeup was nasty. He got some swings and misses on the breaking stuff. The problem to me, really twofold, I guess, was let's start with the fastball. It didn't fool anybody. It wasn't getting swings and misses. It didn't look like it had life. Yeah, it wasn't jumping out of his hand. I, I, I consi- This is almost like a... The intensity is ramped up, even though there are tens of people down there at, at that Marlins ballpark, and it's hard to sort of produce your energy. But this, to me, was like that first rehab start again. Again, I, I didn't get eyeballs on that. You were there uh, um, along with uh, with the buddy, and you you saw how he was doing it. But this, to me, was a, I just don't want to get hurt. I want to get through this, and then we could start to ramp up the intensity a little bit, which you saw the second time through the order. I, I think the fastball velocity is going to tick up. Average 90.5 last night. I think that's going to get into the 92 range in in future starts, and and maybe we'll see it kind of grow from there. This, to me, looked like, let's get through this. Let's now, these are milestones. And and, and I'm with you. I was more encouraged, maybe, than than the line would indicate. I know a lot of people are going to hear this and go, what are you talking about? It gave up seven runs and four and two-thirds and ran out of gas. I look at the good moments because Steven Strasburg, when he's right, has more good moments, and I want to see him do that. Right, that when he struck out the side there in the second, I think that shows that he's still got some of those things. He's not going to be 97, 98 anymore. I don't think that's in the tank, but that changeup is still nasty. That curveball can still be good when he's on top of it. Get that nice little downward spike, and then you pitch the fastball off of that instead of everything being off the fastball. I think that's kind of what I wanted to see last night. I wanted to see, does it, will there be some stuff that plays at this level? I think you're 100% right. He ran out of gas. There was that one barreled home run ball, fastball down in the zone to a guy that, is just 
nasty on pitches down in the zone. That's that's where his wheelhouse is. I was actually pretty encouraged last night. I know that's going to sound weird maybe to some folks, and maybe it's Pollyannish, but I liked some of the things that I saw because you mentioned it. It wasn't a bunch of sharp contact in the first. It was a bunt hit, seeing eye, ground ball for a double, and yeah, you know, one-barreled base hit, certainly. But that's going to happen. But overall, I was actually pretty encouraged. Yeah, you go back through it. Are you throwing gopher balls in the middle of the plate? Are you getting rocked? And, and I didn't think that was the case, certainly early in the game. I mean, he could have easily been through four innings scoreless and having been into the fifth, you know, at right around 70 pitches or something, and it would have looked very different. Obviously, the fifth inning in and of itself was a bit of an issue, but he ran out of some gas, and it was your first start back in over a year. It is amazing, though, how now it's, it is time to reinvent himself again, probably. Yeah. In that, like, there were 92 pitches thrown last night in that game with firmer fastball velocity than anything Steven Strasburg threw. When he came up, he was throwing 100 miles an hour. Uh-huh. And now he peaked last night at 92.4. Now, it's important to note, these are all kind of sinkers. I, mean, I would assume that's a two-seam pitch he's throwing, right? That's not a I – mean, I don't think he's throwing like a four-seamer top of the zone with – heavy spin that you're trying to get swings and misses on. You know, they refer to these analytically as sinkers, right? This is a two-seam pitch he's throwing, would you say? It's It was tough to tell. I mean, the way, the way that camera angle just happens to be in in um, in Miami, he's ne- hasn't really thrown a ton of that two-seam, th- think of that Tanner Roark kind of arm side run yeah, type pitch. Is- but but so is it a four seam sinker? Uh, to me, it's a it's a looks like a sort of a regular four seam fastball because he's so over the top. And yeah. he, when it's right, he gets that carry, he gets that jump. Right, think of um a guy who does it great right now is Garrett Cole when he pitches at the top of the of, of the zone platform. But I guess my point is Garrett Cole's throwing ninety seven to ninety nine. Exactly. Steven Strasburg, if ninety two with sink, you know they were saying he's mm-hmm. throwing his sinker. I think of a four seamer as kind of being different than a it, sinker. It is correct. So your four seamer, you're basically releasing off the edge of your fingertips, and you're trying to get as much backspin as possible. And that's you know someone like Sean Doolittle that's got a great spin rate. Ninety two plays like ninety nine. And when Strasburg is right, that mid-90s fastball can play even harder because he's got such a big frame and he's got such an easy delivery in some ways in terms of he's not jumping at you with his body, and he gets that carry. That two-seamer is you're getting it to ride down and ride in. It's thrown with some pressure, usually on the outside of the middle finger, if you can picture it, and it's going to dive in to a righty in a way, kind of fade away from a left-handed bat. So according to Baseball Savant, they say he threw 23 four-seam fastballs and 19 sinkers. They're quantifying it as two essentially different Interesting. Now, I find that interesting because the velocities are essentially the same. And, you know, a lot of the metrics on the pitches are really comparable. So I don't know that I necessarily believe what they're calling it, in other words. Because he hasn't really been a sinker guy in the past. No, he's not. It's mostly been a four-seam fastball. Um, So that's something maybe we can clarify. But just as an example, uh, the pitch velocity on the four-seamer, they've got at 90.3. On the sinker, they've got at 90.4. I think it was probably the same pitch and whatever their algorithm is for movement or spin or whatever. Sure. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe it was two different variations he was throwing. He threw a lot of curveballs, uh, 22 of them, and 19 change-ups. Now, we talk a lot about Josiah Gray not being able or not wanting to throw his change-up. Well, Steven Strasburg threw about a quarter of his pitches as change-ups. So listen to this breakdown. And again, we're talking about a, a variation of what he used to be and how different this could be now. 28%, they say four-seamers, 23% sinkers. So if you're talking about just fastballs, 
right around uh, 50%. And then he's got 27% curveballs, 23% change-ups. Best pitch for him, I thought, was his change-up. Change-up. Three swings and misses. About 38% of swings were swings and misses for him. Curveball was his second-best pitch, followed by the fastball. In the I think game. that's the way of the world now, GP. I, I think that's how it's going to be. Even as his velocity comes back, that change-up and that curveball are going to be where he gets his outs. And, and I think it's now got to be, you used to have to with him, you've got to gear up for that fastball. And that made you susceptible to the other pitches, right? Because if, if someone's throwing upper 90s, not, if your average fastball velocity, which it was early in his career, is in the mid-upper 90s, 96, he's, he's had a, you know weeks and months when it's hot out where he's you know, 97, 98 miles an hour, you have to gear up for that. You simply have to. And the deception with the changeup gets guys out in front, and, and that curveball, it's a different look. It raises your eye line, and it looks like it's going to be another fastball high, and it snaps down into the zone, or you start guessing one way or the other. Now I think he's got to pitch off those off-speed pitches where those are established. You can throw those for strikes. You get the deception there. And then all of a sudden, as he got that one strike, and I think it was of Sanchez, of a 90-mile-an-hour fastball up in the zone. That's 90 is now playing much harder because of the fear of that changeup, because of the fear of that breaking ball. So your 90 now is sneaky fast, and it's got to be because guys have seen enough of those breaking balls, seen enough of those change-ups. You sacrifice a little bit of the out pitch of those effectiveness of those last two pitches, which are great putaways when you've got two strikes, and it becomes now this kind of true pitch mix. You become almost, I don't want to call him crafty just yet, but he's working on that. I think that's where he's going to be. I feel like the start was a big step and a positive overall. A to F grade, I'm going to give it a B, honestly. And I know that sounds insane. I know. It's not that I didn't care at all about the results. First and foremost, I think the results are a little bit misleading, but I care a lot less about the results than that he is able to go again in five days. So I'll say B. If you want to give it a B minus, I got no problem with that. I would, I'd say B minus probably. Um, I, th- I wish he'd thrown that changeup in the first inning. Uh, he held it until the second inning, uh, going through the, towards the back of the order. I'm not sure what the scouting report was or why they did that, but once he started throwing it, he really threw it and, and got guys off him for those middle three innings. To me, it's about health. It's about bouncing back, and it's about showing that higher ceiling. Now we start to add some strength, and it gets more consistent. So we wanted to break down the start, so we recorded this for you after he pitched time capsule style. We're going to throw to ourselves in the past. Whoa. Because we were talking about Strasburg and the Nats. We recorded the rest of the pod before he started. So here's the rest of your pod. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so enough about one outing. Let's talk about the future and the rest of this season and beyond for Steven Strasburg. Danny, as we mentioned, there is probably no game. There is probably nothing more important 
Then the Strasbourg starts. Those games the rest of this season, starting with yesterday against the Marlins. But whether or not he returns to form is going to largely determine the future of this organization. I, I hate to be overstated, but if he's great, they have a chance to compete. If he's not, they've got a noose around their neck and an albatross of a contract that they can't get out of and the, the problematic contract of Patrick Corbin making up 40% of their rotation. And you're probably a couple years away from really being able to spend on pitching. I, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but I, I think this is the next five years. I, the direction that Steven Strasburg goes, and, and to me, the performance is 1A next to his health and availability. He's been available for 26 innings in two years. There's there's no team that can overcome that. $35 million in payroll and have a guy that's only pitched 26 innings in two calendar years. I know 2020 was shortened, but he was shortened even more because of injury. If he's available every fifth day, for the most part, normal pitcher wear and tear happens. Not everybody makes their 33 or 34 starts. You get nicked up, you, you tweak this, your, your muscles sore here. I'm talking about the big stuff. I'm talking about 60-day IL trips. I'm talking about surgery and months of no reports when he's down at extended spring training, throwing to ghosts. Him being available and then him being close to what he was at some point for the next consistently over the next handful of years gives them a chance. You can't, I don't think any organization, maybe the Dodgers, maybe the Yankees could outspend it if they just went into the luxury tax and just took it as a big L. But a regular organization, it's really hard to overcome. This year, half their payroll pretty much is is, is Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg. If those guys aren't excellent, you're not winning. And they're probably not going to win anyway. But you, you see where I'm going. Next year, kind of the same deal. And Patrick Corbin, in 2024, his salary cap hit, I know it's not a cap, but just use of easy, easy language, jumps to $35 million. Strasburg's is $35 million as well. $70 million between, as you said, 40% of your rotation, you have to be good. You just have to be. This matters more than anything else they do as it relates to the team being good, as it maybe relates to Juan Soto by extension, as it relates to free agents wanting to come here and have a chance to win. You don't get the Howie Kendricks of the world. You don't get the you know the Daniel Murphys. You don't get guys that have been instrumental in, in their run over the years without being a pretty good juggernaut, without being a 90-win-plus team. You entice veterans who want to win one last chance. You invite uh, and entice guys that, you know, if they're picking between two similar offers, well, I'll go to this place where they're going to win a bunch of games. You're not getting that unless Steven Strasburg is good and available. Well, pull the scope back a little bit even, Danny. I mean, I was talking about uh, the rotation moving forward with uh, our buddy Jeremy, who runs Walters by Nats Park. And uh, we were just kind of chopping it up. I was eating some chicken wings a few days ago. And he said something along the lines of, like, what if Strauss is really good? And, and we started looking at the rotation and kind of the two ways this could go. Mm -hmm. Hypothetically, right, this is best case scenario. Strasburg comes back, he stays healthy, and he's nails again. He's something close to what he was when he was a top 10 pitcher in the National League before these injuries, right? Patrick Corbin, who has turned somewhat of a corner. I mean, he is no longer the worst pitcher in the National League. He's not particularly great. He might lose 20 games. He's got an ERA closer to six than four. But while he's got the highest earned run average now among active starters in the big leagues and you know, all those losses I mentioned, he is pitching better than he did the last couple of years, and he's kind of throwing like a back-of-the-rotation starter, especially in that he eats innings and he pitches every five days and he's pretty durable, and, and he can gobble up some frames for you. So if Corbin is this mm -hmm. and not the last two years where he was the worst pitcher in the sport, and Strasburg is really good, and I'm continuing now this positive hypothetical of yep. Josiah Gray, who just threw five shutout in Miami, mm -hmm. continues to do what he's doing, where he looks like a 
mid-rotation type starter, maybe a number three kind of starter. Let's say, continuing the theme here, Cade Cavalli graduates, who's been awesome in AAA in his last three outings. He's got seven innings pitched in his last two starts, and he punched out 10 last time out. Cavalli comes up, and he looks the part. Not the early Lucas Giolito, what's going on with his stuff, he's getting hit around, but the immediate, this guy is a major league number two type profile. Mm-hmm. You can start to dream on this rotation a little bit. Strauss as your one, Cavalli and Gray, two and three or what have you. Cole Henry in this very positive hypothetical doesn't ever need anything to, to be operated on. Arm, elbow, shoulder, everything continues to not bark. He just keeps hanging zeros. That's a guy that looks like he could be a number two, number three type starter. So that's the path to, if this happens, and I know that's a lot of ifs, Strauss, the kids, Corbin, you have a competitive big league rotation where you add one starting pitcher maybe, a little bit of depth next year. There's no reason with a little bit of money you can't spend on a couple of bats, corner infield, corner outfield to drive in runs and be in the mid-80s, upper-80s, and wins again, competing in this league with the expanded playoffs for a postseason spot. I I rubber stamp that. But here's the flip side, Mm -hmm. just to carry out the exercise. Strauss comes back and either doesn't stay healthy or isn't the same. Corbin continues to undulate between what he is right now and what he was the last couple years, which happens, right? Every now and then he has one of those starts where you go, oh my God, this is... He's never going to turn the corner. Cavalli is, for whatever reason, you know, not as quick to develop at the major league level as you'd like. Uh, someone like Henry does end up needing time away or isn't healthy. Like all of a sudden, your rotation is in shambles. I mean, your plan for the next couple of years is detonated. It's blown up, and you are bad for two or three years. So when I say that Strasburg is the linchpin to the whole thing, I mean that because the rotation to me is the linchpin to the whole thing. Again, I rubber stamp everything you just said. The and there's always, you know, listen, it's pro sports, it's baseball, best laid plans, right? It, and and you know, you, you have all these grand designs of here's what a rotation is going to look like. Somebody, you know, uh, sleeps wrong on a team bus in in Florida and needs shoulder surgery, which happened to a teammate of mine, by the way, who never picked up a baseball again. I mean, a million things can go wrong. You can you can deal with one or two things, right? Let's say one of the guys you mentioned, guy that we've had on this uh, on this podcast, Cole Henry. Who's got stuff for days and has been just just absolute nails in the minor leagues? Let's say just it, made his first AAA start, gave up a few hits and no runs in five innings. He just doesn't give up runs, which is kind of one of the points of pitching. I think. Let's say it doesn't work for him because of injury or whatever. Right? I'm not wishing anything upon the guy, but that that happens. How many times have we done the Doug Fister, Anibal Sanchez, Dan Heron? We'll just throw you know ten million bucks, eleven million bucks as you know. Then as the the cost will continue to go up, of course, for short term deals for back end of the rotation starters, you can have a pretty good rotation if you get a seventy five percent shooting percentage, a sixty percent shooting percentage on, on guys that you're counting on. As long as you've got some supplemental things that have taken place in the draft and you get better development than they've had, frankly, over the last several years, we talked about this a bunch. The big gaping hole for an organization that prides itself on starting pitching because it's the best way to be consistently competitive, they haven't really graduated a starting pitcher that they've drafted, developed to come up through their system that's really helped them. Eric Fetty's been in the show. They've had guys that you know have pitched, but it's not to the degree that Steven Strasburg was, and that's really the last dude. George Zimmerman, Steven Strasburg through the organization. That's essential over these next couple of years. To, th- there's got to be a guy that you and I haven't even heard of yet. Well, you probably have, because that's your entire life is, is prospects. There's some 15-year-old right now throwing 82 in, in, in West Texas that you've got your eyeball on. But to the regular layperson, someone we don't even know about yet has to come up and develop. Has You have to supplement that way. The guys that would have done that, they used as trade pieces. Rightfully so, by the way. I don't begrudge any of those moves. The, the 
Pavettas, the Lozardos, all those dudes help you win a World Series and help you maintain that competitive window. But now as you're building, some of those guys have to supplement. That's a long way for me to say you can have a few missteps. You can have a few hiccups. You can have a couple guys maybe not work out maybe according to plan because you have to keep supplementing with numbers. I just can't escape this one thing. You can't do any of that. None of what you do matters if Strauss doesn't work. Like, I, I just, I, I, and I hate that it comes back to that. I hate that it's that hyperbolic. It sounds like I'm just, you know, doomsday prepping well, over would, here and you, screaming. You wouldn't but, be saying that. I don't think people would feel that way, Danny, if the contract wasn't tied to him. And that's what it, it is. is. Like, if, if there was no contract or he was just like a pending free agent and he's coming back, the point isn't that you couldn't move forward without him. But you have four more years at a rate that you don't really pay anybody else. He's the guy that you chose to pay. You didn't want to pay Rendon. You didn't want to pay Harper. You don't aren't going to pay Soto probably you paid that guy and so you have to get production out of that guy when you are now bottom 10 or so in the mm-hmm. league in payroll and you've invested the biggest nut that you have the, the lump sum basically yep. into Steven Strasburg all right some other guys to talk about really quickly here rapid fire Carl Edwards Jr. is having a really good season without getting a whole lot of fanfare his ERA after a scoreless appearance against the Marlins on Wednesday night is now 1.65. He struck out a couple of batters in an inning and a third. He's up to a batter per inning now. 14 appearances. You look back on his most recent outing, 96 miles an hour he touched. This is the best he's been since 2018 in Chicago. This is a guy that had kind of bounced around and was out of the big leagues at one point last year. You see some like sixes and sevens Mm. among his ERAs recently. I don't think it's sustainable that he'll have an ERA in the ones. However, the stuff is actually pretty good. Fastball, breaking ball, touching 96, and he's got a good resume. This is a guy who's pitched in big games, uh, vying for the postseason, and then into the playoffs. He's thrown in the World Series. Could be a trade ship. Again, you're not going to get a ton for a guy like this who's a lower leverage, like seventh inning, sixth inning type, inning at a time reliever. But what I'm looking for is anyone who another team might give up a minor league player or two for, and the better he pitches – as if his ERA could creep down to a little over one, and all of a sudden his K rate gets up to ten per nine, you know, an analytics-driven team is going to start looking into some of this stuff and say, "Let's let's take a flyer on that guy." Yeah, he's only thirty. He's like a, a Plumlee at Duke. It feels like he's been around for decades, you know. But uh, he found it. I mean, we've talked to Mike Rizzo enough times to know, and I'd say for me, I've kind of adopted honestly his philosophy on relief pitching to a degree. Now, there's certain guys that kind of transcend that, right? Josh Hader is. Excellent and awesome and worth every penny. That dude is just absolutely nails. But for the most part, guys kind of fluctuate. Guys, you know, get relied upon for a while. They get up, you know, they they pitch in 60-some games, and they get up probably another 25 or 30 times, and all of a sudden their window shortens, right? So it happens where where guys are inconsistent. It probably took Edwards a, a year, maybe two, to sort of rediscover some things, and he probably went to the lab and kind of, you know, found his release point on this, that, and the other, and was probably having some bad habits he didn't even know about. But what a pleasant surprise. I mean, these are the kinds of things that good organizations are able to uncover that I, I always try to give the Nationals credit for. I mean, sometimes it, it doesn't work like Trevor Rosenthal didn't work out. That didn't work. He was here, couldn't throw strikes. Well, the following year, he, he threw pretty well. They were on to something. It just they didn't connect the dots. Right. Well, a low-risk, 
high upside type move where, you know, minor league non-roster invitee or whatever the heck he was to spring training, and he's pitching out of AAA, works his way up to the big leagues, kind of, as you said, getting higher and higher leverage innings from a guy that, as you said, was doing late inning stuff for a World Series team. Um, a, a, a nice find for this group, but a, and as you said, someone that we hadn't really considered as a potential trade chip because, to me, again, anything not bolted down that could help a competitive team, let's go. Uh, Speaking of not bolted down and possibly being able to help a competitive team, I said it last podcast I wanted to talk about Tanner Rainey. Here is my case as to why I would trade Rainey, because I've gotten a lot of pushback from Nats fans about this. A, I think relievers are volatile. So almost always, if I am a non-contending team, I am going to move a reliever for someone who's not a reliever, who's younger and has a little bit of upside. Now, that's not a rule. I don't really have rules. I mean, there are exceptions, obviously, but that's just my general philosophy the other question would be okay what is he he's under contract for a couple years like what is he over those next couple years rainy to me is not a closer when you're a first division team i don't trust him protecting a one-run lead necessarily i don't think he's a dominant back end arm i think he's a nice piece in a bullpen ideally i'd like him to be kind of like my you know maybe my third best guy i was gonna say my seventh inning arm on the astros yeah you know if i'm lights out nails 97 wins going to the playoffs i want a shutdown closer josh Hader. i want a dominant eighth inning arm I mean, there's 30 guys like that in the big leagues and then maybe rainy is my right on right guy in the seventh or something like that so i have no delusions that you're going to get something incredible for rainy who's 29 years old but he is good and it's yeah. the reason why I think Nats fans want to keep him. And he's also back in a way. He touched 99 recently. His velocity's come all the way back. Like, there's a lot to like about this player. And you can easily say and make the case and be right that when they're good in a year or two, if that's the case, he will still be here. Those are not the guys you should be trading. Agreed. But there is a, a list of guys that are building blocks. Josiah Gray and Kbert Ruiz and Luis Garcia. And to me, Rainey, because of his position, most notably, mm-hmm. but also because I just think there's an undulation to him. He's up, he's down, he's a little inconsistent. I'm not putting him on that list. So I'm not trading him for nothing. Like if someone's willing to give me a bag of balls or a granola bar, okay, I'll keep him. But if, if I can get a double-A infielder that I think has a chance to be a big leaguer, if I could get you know, the, the the 13th best prospect in someone's loaded system that in my system might end up being a fourth outfielder a year or two from now. Like, that's interesting to me. Uh, he's got some really, really good analytical mm-hmm. uh, like percentile stuff. Uh, whiff percentage, 91st. Chase rate, 85th. Fastball velocity, 89th. Fastball spin rate, 90th. I mean, there are teams that are going to salivate about the possibility of bringing him in. I think you could move him and get something, and I would be willing to do that. So average fastball velocity has been pretty consistent over the last you know three seasons, down from 97.8, which was 2019, where he was just throwing absolute cheddar. But he's been in the 96.4, 96.4, 96.6 last three years, respectively. Slider velocity has been there, too. I would wager, I, I haven't seen this, maybe you have somewhere, but I bet you there's a better spin rate going on. Because the, the 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 hitter, I always say this for pitchers, the hitters tell the story. His exit velocity has dropped four miles an hour over the last couple of years. So remember the, the 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 blown save just the other night there in in Miami, a bloop and a you know three hop ground ball that hit second base. That's that's not bad pitching. Maybe bad pitch selection. Maybe you got a guy chasing a couple of your wicked sliders and you throw him a cookie fastball. But I digress. But. Exit velocity has dropped four miles an hour. That, to me, is a stunning turn of events. 
Like, that tells you the stuff is playing better. So I, um, I remember years ago speaking to a guy who's actually no longer in baseball but helped build a couple of those really good Diamondback teams. Feels like a distant memory now. But helped build uh, this Braves dynasty, of course, culminating in, the, in, in their World Series last year. Found a bunch of uh, their, their young guys that kind of stepped in and some of the competitive stuff. And I was asking him sometimes about how velocity plays. I mean, you know, the... We all played the game to, to some degree, and he referred to some guys with fastballs that operate as a true 96 versus a, a kind of an explosive 96. So think of Sean Doolittle. Sean Doolittle has a fastball in the low 90s when, he, when he's healthy and when he's right. But guys don't square it up all that often. Guys are treating it like it's 100 miles an hour. Why? It's just kind of the, the way that it looks. It's the deception element of, of how it comes out of your hand. When Mariano Rivera first came up, before he developed that devastating cutter, he was really just throwing fastballs. And it looked like he was just playing catch, but the damn thing would explode on you. So his 94 played up uh, even more so when he was setting up for John Wetland. You look at Tanner Rainey, throwing 96, he was doing that when he was getting hit around. He was still throwing hard, but it didn't play the right way. And again, it's about mechanics and delivery and and a couple things to add some of that deception. It's clearly working. I I couldn't believe that when I was looking him up, uh, that his his average exit velocity is the lowest it's been in his whole career this year, and it's down almost about four miles an hour over years past. That, to me, is just telling you the story right there about how effective he's been. Yeah, totally. And... Percentiles aren't dramatically different, but they, he's better a little bit. Uh, fastball spin rate 90th percentile has been around 85, 86, 88 previously, so there's certainly some improvement there. Uh, but if he's here, I'm not upset. It's a right. good pitcher, and hopefully they've got a closer and a setup man and Tanner Rainey, and you put together the best bullpen possible. Yeah, you don't just do it to do it, to your point. But the other thing I would say is I think I, I feel like I can build a bullpen. You know, And that's easy to say sometimes, and sometimes you get that wrong, but you can always trade when you're good your double-A guy for a reliever. You can always add Dan Hudson, Ryan Madsen, Sean Doolittle. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Like Those dudes are readily available from the bad teams at the deadline. You can also just throw money at that problem. You can pay those guys. Yeah, it costs a ton for a Roldis Chapman or Josh Hader or, or some of the best relievers in the game, but if, if you just want to go sign a guy like Tanner Rainey in free agency, it really doesn't cost that much. You give me $15 bucks, I can put together with a couple of smart guys from my R&D department you know, a three or four reliever group to come in to save your bullpen for next year. They won 98 games with the plan and most of the season in 2012 with an old Brad Lidge and Henry Rodriguez as co-closer. You could put a, you could put together a bullpen. Rizzo's yeah, taught us that. I think so, too. All right, I just want to tell someone real quick to kick rocks. I just, while we were talking, got a trade request in my Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League. All right, let's, let's hear it. While nobody cares about my Fantasy Baseball team. Now, don't team, say who's who. Okay. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Just let us just tell us what's what the offer is. Trade offer. One of these teams has Juan Soto. Okay. And the person is offering Jared Walsh and Tony Gonsolin for him in a keeper dynasty league. Now Walsh is having a fantastic year. He is. Gonsolin's a pretty effective starter, probably help you with some of the ratios. Hmm, that's really interesting. And the other team has Juan Soto. So let me try to balance that. One of those teams, I'm not gonna say which one, should tell the other one. Here's a really, really, really short area before a cliff. Walk a thousand paces. Can you believe that? Yes, I can. This guy offered me Jared Walsh and Tony Gonsolin for Juan Soto. Like I'm sitting here panicking, going, "Man, this Soto guy. I've never heard of him, but he's just terrible. He's hitting 225. Kick every rock." And then the same person offered me Corbin Burns for Aaron Judge. Now that is not nearly as bad. That's not egregious. It depends that's on what you need. The, basically, the best fantasy pitcher for maybe the guy this year that's having the best offensive season. I don't really believe in starting pitchers in fantasy anyway. 
I like my team, my ace of my staff right now is probably well, Nestor Cortez. We picked up on the waiver wire. It's been great. But are like, you a streaming stand? Totally. Out of the draft, my number one starter was Tarek Skubal from the Detroit Tigers. I get size for his ratios. Yeah, he's been awesome, and it, my philosophy's worked out. But the, the guy I co-manage the team with has a similar opinion, which is we go with, like, ten relievers. We get our innings by having, like, two starts made by him. I think we've got uh, maybe uh, the other Luis Garcia, uh, Nestor Cortez. No one cares about my team. The point is I don't care about starting pitching enough to give you uh, an elite bat for it. And if you – Run a fantasy team, you should never trade your best hitter for somebody's best pitcher. Unless it's the end of the year and you're just desperate for pitching categories. Yeah, unless you got yeah, unless you have some sort of dire need at pitching and you've got a glut of hitting. Like right. if you have if you have a guy that's like, I don't know, like a, a stud that you would obviously play him every day, but you've got another stud in waiting. Like it's not you're not replacing Aaron Judge, but if you have an outfield like if you have Tasker Hernandez, you know, who's like waiting in the wings, you're better with Hernandez and, and uh, Corbin Burns than you are with just Aaron Judge. He's Danny. I'm Grant. This is Busting Loose Baseball. I guess it's not busting. I dropped the G in there. It's Bustin. Bustin. Bustin Loose Baseball. And it's not bussin', which is the kids say. My son says that now yeah. about, about good food. But the show's bussin'. I think so. It's I like bu- to think this so. Is, you know what? We should change the name. Bussin'. Can you, can you get the imaging people, Darius, on this? This show it, bussin'. It's Bustin' Loose Baseball. You don't even need subject uh, verb agreement. Lane Thomas, Nats outfielder, going to be with us. Just a few right here on this podcast, but right now, our conversation with Dave Jagler on Steven Strasburg returning and the Nationals' State of the Union.